morning, Glory America. It's Hugh Hewitt. That music means it's the last hour, radio hour of the week in the, in the ReliefFactor.com studios inside the Beltway. And I'm laughing, not because Dr. Matt Spaulding is joining me, the director of the Hillsdale College Kirby Center in the shadow of the Capitol, the lighthouse of reason on the, uh, on the Capitol Hill, but because I've been reading during the break, Dan Snow is the history guy. And his tweet this morning, Matt, good morning. How are you, my friend? Good morning. I'm fine. How are you? (laughs) Well, good. 713 years ago on this day, Sir William Wallace was dragged naked to Smithfield in London. He was strangled, castrated, disemboweled, and then his insides were burnt in front of him while he was still just alive. Then he was beheaded and chopped into quarters. His crime, according to the English, was high treason. His retort, I could not be a traitor for Edward to Edward, for I was never his subject. But then the comments (laughs) include... I can't say the, I can't take the Lord's name in vain, but it says the Lord's name. Was he okay? <laughs> Only history geeks think that is a funny level of humor. But, uh, oh. And here I thought he was just yelling freedom at the end. That's, that's what I thought. I thought he got up and walked away after he I said freedom. You, the movie wasn't right. <laughs> Matt Spaulding, it's good to have you. I, I, I may be a little giddy because I have been following the story well, all day. There, uh, there is good news today. This is, as you know, this is pre-opening, which is the first day that begins a semester out on campus. Everyone is getting ready for students coming back. We're going to have school again this year. And I am the designated survivor. So it's uh, like did, the State of the Union. I'm, did, I'm not there because, uh, you know, for the security of the nation. It's kind of like opening day at Hillsdale. That that's we're getting, right. that's well, that's very cool. Look, uh, I'm glad to have you because you spend your time thinking about matters constitutional, as they do at the Kirby Center all the time. And I don't think that I've ever confronted uh, a situation in American history where the attorney general and the president of the United States are at public loggerheads, but getting along fine when they're together at the White House and throwing bricks at each other through their press spokesman, the, the very estimable Sarah Flores, Esker, or on Twitter, as the president doing all morning. What do you make of this? Well, uh the only thing I can say, I'm here, I'm thinking, trying to think of historical analogies. I mean, this really does remind you of what it might have been like when uh, you had Hamilton and Jefferson in your cabinet, right? I mean, these are you know major figures uh, arguing, but but even that doesn't uh, quite come to the same type of thing going on here. This is you know the president and his own attorney general are publicly arguing. This is very unusual. Uh, but I think it also kind of shows you the the broader stakes of what's going on and the extent to which this has become a a very broad political question. And to some extent, I see the Trump uh, sessions divide is is representing these two differing ways of looking at the question. I, I think you know Sessions, Attorney General, he's looking at this is this is a legal question, it's a tactical matter. He recused himself. Uh, now he's going on carrying out the, the office of attorney general. I think the president, it, uh, rank rightly in this case, uh, sees beyond the, the legal technicalities of these indictments and uh, plea bargains. What's going on here is a much larger political question, which, of course, is largely the way the Constitution set it up. There are technical questions, but ultimately it's a political question, which is why I think uh, much more so than, than the, the situation warrants, but on both in the left and right, there's a, an impeachment fervor. That's a political question. 
That, that is, in fact, I, I made an argument this week. An impeachable offense, if a majority of the House says it is, is wearing you know, uh, black shoes and a brown belt. If they That's want right. to call That's that right. an impeachable offense, they can call that an impeachable offense. It's all political. It's laid out in, in uh, Federalist 69 by Hamilton. But I saw yesterday some arguments by Democrats eager for the president to be indicted. Uh, Matt, uh, that's just not possible. You can't indict the president. Well, this gets back to their what they're realizing is their technical problems. So I think what they're doing is they're pu- they're trying to push beyond the technical problems to the political the political questions. I mean, I think this this uh, the plea bargain with Michael Cohen seems to me to be fraught with all sorts of uh, uh, questions that those have to be that have to be gone through. But I, I, the argument is, as I see it, is there was you know there was no technical violation here on on the behalf of the president. There's some details about work there, but I've, I've read the plea agreement. He was clearly uh, gone after on the main indictments, um, and then he agreed to that last one, which is very unclear and vague. And the uh, the the the, uh, uh, the uh, campaign finance laws are extremely complicated. I think what's going on now is they're they're trying to just push through those, push through all that vagueness, and get to that political question. And I and I think that's what I think there was not the the. Um, the plea agreement and the Manafort uh, decisions, um, that wasn't a turning point when it comes to a legal question. It wasn't as much a great success of Mueller's legal work. Um, I, I think, though, it, it was a certain political threshold that opened this door to this, this political question. And I think that you see, you see the anti-Trump right and the left, they are just jumping on this bandwagon like crazy. It's just an amazing event. The, the, the Mueller conviction, first of all, he's a bad guy, and uh, and he should not have been representing foreign governments without registering. Right. He should have been paying his taxes. He's a bad guy. He's going to go to jail. I don't know how long he should go to jail for. But that was executed by the Mueller team in order to gain leverage over him. And there is news this morning that David Pecker, who is the chief of the National Enquirer, he's the chairman of American Media Inc., has entered into an immunity deal. A long-term story has been that Mr. Pecker practiced catch and kill pay for a story, and then lock it in his safe in order to protect Donald Trump. An immunity deal that opens that safe would genuinely be a disaster for the president, correct? No, I, I think so. And I think any of these things, at the very least, there's a constant drip, drip, drip. But potentially there are things there that we just don't know about, which is, I think, it was exactly part of the problem he's facing which is the, the, the political unknowns here are going to going to continue for some time. So, Matt Spalding, you and I have both called balls and strikes like Dr. Arnold and I have called balls and strikes. On the plus side, we have the lowest youth unemployment since 1966. I've been using that because it's a talking point that everybody understands because everyone had a mom or a dad that said, get a job. And when you couldn't get a job, you could always say there aren't any jobs. Well, there are jobs everywhere. You can't walk around a street in Washington without saying help wanted sign. Everyone who wants a job in America can work the economy is booming and the president normally would be coasting to a re-election or a uh, an off-year election that would be very good on the other hand there is this extraordinary venom towards him i would say among 30 percent of the country maybe 40 percent how does this play out do you think well you know this is hard to uh, it, it, it's hard to say because i i think part of what has happened here is i think there's an extraordinary amount of um 
unsettling uh, uh, about him. People don't like many of his ways. Uh, I'm thinking here of his Twitter, and, uh, but also some of his, his personal life. Um, but but there's a, another side of that conversation, I think, which is uh, on the one hand a virtue and the one hand a, a, a vice. I mean, the, the virtue of it is I think that uh, this president has broken through a, a certain settled doctrinal view of the political parties in a way that has opened all this up. Which, and I see that as a great virtue because it, it opens up politics in a way that it hadn't been opened for some time before. We're having debates, we're having discussions, we're having arguments. The, the problem with that is that um, uh, the, 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 his, his opponents, his policy opponents, uh, those who thought the country was going in a certain direction with some uh, debate back and forth, but it was generally on their side, they, they now see this as a larger existential debate going on in the country. I think they're actually right about that. Uh, whether he's leading it or whether he's enunciating it or, or whether he is, is going to continue to uh, direct it, uh, I'm, I'm thinking long term here, is another question, but he's clearly broken up open that conversation. He's he's a deconstructionist president, and now we're looking towards the future. Both political parties see those terms. And and I think because of that, his divisiveness and now the the um, uh, going after the jugular with these legal questions which are now becoming political questions has taken on a new meaning. Um, that again reminds me of actually 19th century politics when you can imagine uh, you know in the 1820s uh, when the Jackson forces were coming back after having lost the election over a supposed deal with uh, Henry Clay and John Quincy Adams. This is big politics. And Trump you know, is yeah, really my analogy. In that game. Yeah, my analogy is all of us have seen films of when a stadium is blown up or a casino is brought down and they wire it and they set it off and no one is hurt. Donald Trump has basically done that to Washington, D.C., but he didn't tell anyone. So there were people standing around when the stadium came down and they've been hurt by the flying debris. I'll be, I'll be right back with Matt Spaulding, director of the Hillsdale College Kirby Center, as we talk about the deconstructionist president that is Donald Trump and nullification. Believe it or not, that debate is back, too. Don't go anywhere. It's the Hugh Hewitt Show. Welcome back, America, to the ReliefFactor.com studio. It is time for the Hillsdale Dialogue to continue this week with Dr. Matthew Spaulding, the director of the Kirby Center, Hillsdale College's Lantern of Lighthouse of Reason in the Shadow of the Capitol. All things Hillsdale are collected at hillsdale.edu, including your application should you want to attend that fine institution this time next year. And all of our conversations dating back to 2013 are collected at Hugh for Hillsdale.com. Um, before we go into the Article 1 control of the AG, um, uh, Matt Spaulding, I want to play for you Rudy Giuliani in Scotland yesterday, uh, talking as Rudy does bluntly about everything. Cut number five. Do the events of the past 48 hours bring a sit-down interview with Robert Mueller any closer? Probably they bring, bring it less likely, but not impossible. Uh, less likely why? Well, that's likely because I don't think he has to. I mean, there's no nothing he can provide that Mueller doesn't have. Now, the fact is that Mueller, so far, hasn't accepted Cohen, uh, Cohen's cooperation. They're begging him on television. And Mueller is a smart enough man to know that he doesn't want a big liar like Cohen in the middle of his case. 
if he sticks with that, maybe we'll see. Should Paul Manafort be pardoned by the president? Oh, that's up to the president. I'm not his, uh, I'm not his government counsel. I'm his uh, personal counsel. I have nothing to do with that. If you, if you ask me, has Paul Manafort been treated very unfairly? The man was put in solitary confinement, which turned out to be almost like civil cases, not real crimes. It's not like he's a terrorist or organized criminal or a killer. They have the man in solitary confinement. That's terrible. Would impeachment not put all these allegations to the appropriate authority? I think impeachment would be totally uh, horrible. I mean, there's no reason. He didn't collude with the Russians. He didn't obstruct justice. Everything Cohen says has been disproved. You'd only impeach him for political reasons, and the American people would revolt against that. The American people would revolt against that. Do you agree with that bottom line assessment? I wrote a Washington Post column this week making the same point, uh, uh, Matthew Spall. We're so far away from impeachment, but it's on every cable pundit's lips. Right, right. No, I, I, I think is again, I think there are different uh, constituencies here, if you, if you want to put it that way. Uh, as far as the American people are concerned, I think we're far away from impeachment. Even if the Democrats win the House, I think it's unlikely that they're going to immediately move to impeachment. I think the pressure among uh, Democrats elected in marginal districts they're not going to be wanting to go that way. I don't think a, 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 the leadership wants to go that way. But having said that, there's another constituency here, which is this kind of uh, elite, popular opinion, uh, punditry, that do want to go that way. I, I don't know about you, but I was over amazed by the, the uh, calls about impeachment, uh, especially among the, uh, on the right, uh, you know, the Gersons, the Max Boots of the world. Um, and there, there, there's a different debate. And I think what they're trying to do is set up a kind of an intellectual inevitability uh, that this logic that pushes in this direction uh, to set this up uh, for, for the future. I think you know, so. You know, Giuliani and I think the president's defenders are are correct when they point out that the legal questions which the Mueller investigation was set up to pursue. They have found nothing. There, there's, the, the, we, we've long passed and forgotten about the collusion uh, issue. It's not even issue, a question anymore. We're, we're now into the area where murky questions having to do with personal matters, um, uh, they're, they're individuals who have committed illegalities, um, what that means for the president is unclear. Uh, it's, it's now crossing a threshold into a, into a political question. And I think they've got to be very careful here because the the general population, uh, and polling suggests this, is they are not wanting to go down that road right now. Uh, But, of course, that's exactly how the political elites will will push this issue and start laying the groundwork for it. But I think in terms of 30 seconds of the break, Matt Spalding, we have to be very blunt with the American public, that's what's ahead if they vote for Nancy Pelosi. I mean, they're just going to have to do it given their base. I, I think that's absolutely right. The, given the base and given the logic of where they laid this out, they're going to push this. It will go that way. And I think there's probably no way they can stop it. That's, that's what I think. We'll come right back. Dr. Matt Spaulding and I talk about an attorney general, what he does and doesn't do, what she does and doesn't do with the president, and what the White House counsel does and doesn't do, and what the private counsel the president does and doesn't do, because it never, ever gets explained 
on cable. Stay tuned. It is the Hillsdale Dialogue. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt from the ReliefFactor.com studio inside the Beltway. I am joined by Dr. Matthew Spaulding, president of the Kirby Center, the director of the Kirby Center, which is Hillsdale College's lantern of sweet reason in the shadow of the Capitol. Uh, Dr. Spaulding, I want to go back and play or, or read for our audience a series of tweets the president put out this morning because, indeed, he has been tweeting... Three hours ago at 5.30 in the morning, the president wrote, Target CEO raves about the economy. This is the best consumer environment I've seen in my career. Big statement from a talk executive, but virtually everybody is saying this. And when our trade deals are made, cost-cutting done, you won't have seen anything yet. Then he wrote, two hours ago, our economy is setting records on every front. Probably the best our country has ever done. Tremendous value created since the election. The world is respecting us again. Companies are moving back to the USA. Then, immediately, he switches from economic tweets to Jeff Sessions. Department of Justice will not be improperly influenced by political considerations. He's quoting Jeff Sessions' statement yesterday. Jeff writes the president, this is great in caps, what everyone wants. So look into all the corruption on the other side, including deleted emails, Comey lies and leaks, Mueller conflicts, McCabe, Stroke, Page, or FISA abuse, Christopher Steele and his phony and corrupt dossier, the Clinton Foundation, illegal surveillance of Trump campaign, Russian collusion by Dems, and so much more. Open up the papers and the documents without redactions, question mark. Come on, Jeff, you can do it. The country is waiting. Then he wrote, ex-NSA contractor to spend 63 months in jail over classified information. Gee, this is small potatoes compared to what Hillary Clinton did. So unfair, Jeff. Double standards. And then finally, social media giants are silencing millions of people. Can't do this, even if it means we must continue to hear fake news like CNN, whose ratings have suffered gravely. People have to figure out what is real and what is not without censorship. All right, Matt Spaulding, you tell me what that means. Uh, well, well, look, so part of the problem here is that, uh, and you alluded to before the break about the different different positions here, the, 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 the attorney general is, is appointed by the president, serves the president's will, is under the president, and is the top legal officer for the country. Um, he's recused himself. Uh, this creates a very big problem. How wide is that recusal? He recused himself on the Russian inclusion question, but now we've gone off way off into other areas. Does that mean he's completely recused on all of this investigation? Is he not in a position where he can actually defend uh, on on some other questions because we're, we're off on in different areas? And what about all these other things? So, you know, on the one hand, the, 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 the president makes the, 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 the correct point that, there, that he seems to have uh, withdrawn himself too broadly, um, which leaves the president, for all intents and purposes, without an attorney general uh, on, on some very important questions. He's, he's running the department. He's a very good man. Um, but uh, on, on one of the most important questions, which is not merely a political question, but is a constitutional question, Constitutional government having to do with the status of, of the of all these questions before the courts, but also uh, of of this presidency. Um, he's he's without that backup, and I think he wants to see his attorney general engage in this debate, in this in this fight, uh, to some extent, 
recognizing the, the, the extent and limit of, of the Attorney General's responsibilities and powers. Now, here is what Jeff Sessions has to be thinking about. I think he's a very fine man, and I had uh, lunch yesterday with a couple of senior DOJ people who tell me he's running a great department. The, the department's doing great stuff. Rod Rosenstein is a conservative. Right. I agree. Uh, they're, they're fighting a lot of legal battles. They're w- winning a lot of legal battles. But on the central issue, I want to remind people of early 1973, uh, then Vice President Spiro Agnew was investigated by the United States Attorney for the District of Maryland on suspicion of conspiracy, bribery, extortion, and tax fraud. He had accepted kickbacks when he was governor of Maryland and kept getting the money when he became vice president. And after months of in maintaining his innocence, one day he just simply pled no contest to a single felony charge of tax evasion and resigned his office. That was a precursor of what was coming on. One U.S. attorney did that because the Department of Justice delegates authority to U.S. attorneys. All the U.S. attorneys in the United States can do stuff unless the Attorney General of the United States is telling them not to do stuff. And the president's anger is because he expected an Eric Holder-like got-my-back AG, and he hasn't got that. Is he right to be disappointed, and ought the Attorney General to consider stepping aside? Well, I, I, I think he's right to be disappointed. One of the jobs of the attorney general is to run the justice department. Now, I, I, haven't, I, I agree with you on all other things. He's doing a great job. He's restored the rule of law, essentially, to the Department of Justice. But, but on these important questions, which have expanded, I mean, you know, Rosenstein has expanded the, the authority of Mueller to look into other questions. He's way beyond the collusion question that the, that the attorney general recused himself on. Um, and that's out of control. And uh, I, I think that it's, um, you know, now it's, it's completely subject to other people that do not seem to be, or at least seem to be acting as if they were not under our, the uh, constitutional authority of the, of the president. And, and this has gotten out of, out of control. I mean, the, the attorney general is under the president. The, uh, uh, the, the deputy is under the president, which means Mueller ultimately is under the president. And one of the things I worry about in, in all of this matter is the ex- in growing extent to which we just kind of set aside the, 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 the norms, the rule of law, and how we're going about figuring this out. There are questions that should be investigated. There are important uh, issues to be looked at. There are clearly have been criminal uh, things that have occurred that, have been looked, that are being looked into. But, but where is the, the, the rule of law, the judicial rule of law that should be applied to these cases? And I think the president is showing increasing frustration uh, about that because the Justice Department, one of the reasons we have a Justice Department, one of the reasons we have a, a supreme law of the land constitutional system is to keep control of those things. So we are ruled by the law and not by men, as John Adams famously said. Now, and Ben Sass, who's AG a, is one that keeps control of that. Yeah, and, and we've had one from 1789 forward, Edmund Randolph was the first, good Virginian, and, uh, right. and, and they've always had a double hat, right? They've had to protect the White House. They've also had to protect Article 1, but they've had to do the rule of law. Ben Sass, senator from Nebraska, smart guy, went on the floor of the Senate yesterday and said this, cut number eight. Jeff Sessions' statement today that the U.S. Department of Justice is filled with honorable, dispassionate career prosecutors who execute their job in ways that the American people should be proud of is indisputably true. What he said is something that basically everybody in this body knows and agrees with, and yet bizarrely, there are people in this body now talking like the Attorney General 
will be fired, should be fired. I'm not sure how to interpret the comments of the last couple of hours, but I guess I would just like to say, as a member of the Judiciary Committee and as a member of this body, I find it really difficult to envision any circumstance where I would vote to confirm a successor to Jeff Sessions if he is fired because he's executing his job rather than choosing to act as a partisan hack. Now, the thing that the senator, who's a friend, doesn't get is that if the attorney general resigns or is fired, the president under the Vacancies Act can move over Dan Coats, Alex Acosta from HHS, uh, uh, Secretary, I mean, from uh, Labor, Secretary Azar from HHS, any of the fine lawyers in the administration for 210 right. days. And then if he nominates a new attorney general, say a Mike Littig, uh, who was the runner up to be the chief justice. Then another 210 days. You have 420 days of an acting attorney general who would be in charge of the Russia investigation. So it seems to me that that is an excellent bit of rhetoric, but neither here nor there. If the president wants Sessions to go, he just fires him. So my question is, why not do that rather than this public flogging? Well, so this gets into this. We're in this gray area where we've gone from a somewhat smaller technical debate, um, and now we're, we're moving into the political realm. These, these are political questions. Um, you know, uh, uh, I think Senator Sass goes, goes his, his first comment was correct, uh, but, but he goes a little bit too far. Um, the, the Attorney General holds both those hats, um, and, and I think we've gotten to the point where there's some, some, some real... Um, you know, questions at hand that the president needs to needs to address. I mean, I mean, look, if the president wanted to really play this, um, he could. He clearly has the authority, not only in terms of uh, replacing his attorney general, but he could easily pardon everybody involved in the Mueller investigation, and then invite Mueller to issue a statement saying, "Put out a report asking for my impeachment." This is this is a political question. Completely throughout all these legal questions that you're you're going after, you're going after me. Let's make this a political question. Uh, Interesting. I can see a, I can see a that's nineteenth that century. That's that's dueling. That's that's grass before breakfast. That is that really brings the competing political parties to a confrontation well, but, but, but prior to election. Right. So each so they're they're leveraging up. He leverages up. What they're not used to is a political is a is a president who fights on their terms. They're each uh, going up this this ladder, and I think that the president's not going to back down. This is so interesting, Matt. So you're saying escalate, don't de-escalate. Ratchet up, don't ratchet down. Bring it, bring it out into the open. In other words, uh, all the poisons in the system, uh, draw them out. Well, look, look, when you when you read the Federalist Papers and, and you see the, uh, the the arguments of the founders, you know, think about the, the, the case of Lincoln. Um, the argument has is, is always been not to hide things. It's to bring them out, ultimately, to let the American people decide. Uh, make them political questions. I, I think we need to figure out a way to de-escalate the, the venom of the political debate. But I think we need to have a deliberative, open conversation about what is really going on here. We're not talking about legal technicalities anymore. They're clearly going after these other minor figures to go after the president as a political question. Um, the, the attorney general, an excellent man, uh, he recused himself. I think that should have been discussed earlier. At this point, that's become a political question as well. What do you do about it? 
these are now larger questions which have to do with um, uh, the whole standing of this administration, uh, the relationship between it, between the legislative branch and the executive branch, uh, the presidency. Um, the American people really deserve, I think, to have that. That's really what's being talked about here. That's where it is issue. It should be talked about openly rather than by uh, subterfuge. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about whether that is even possible. Because it's the world in which we live, which is both Twitter and cable driven and talk radio driven to a certain extent and social media driven. I don't know that you can have a conversation like that that would ever get through. We'll talk about that with Matt Spaulding, director of the Kirby Center at Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale are found at hillsdale.edu. All of our conversations at hughforhillsdale.com dating back to 2013. When we come back, I'll be right back. Matt Spaulding with the last segment of the last radio hour of the week next on the Hugh Hewitt Show. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt in the ReliefFactor.com studio inside the Beltway. Last segment of the week with Dr. Matt Spaulding. He's the executive director of the Kirby Center, Hillsdale College. College's center of excellence in the nation's capital. Matt, during the break, I was checking Twitter, and Adam Davidson is a New Yorker staff writer and done a lot of investigative reporting, clearly loathes Trump. Uh, But what he wrote uh, is interesting. It goes to what you just said. One key development this week, wrote Adam Davidson 13 minutes ago, that shouldn't be missed. There are now so many investigations. Mueller, SDNY, Southern District of New York, New York Attorney General, into Trump and his cronies that they cannot be stopped even by a reckless president. Now, that is a narrative-building meme, right? Uh, In fact, there aren't that many investigations. There's one. It's Mueller's. And everything is a spinoff of Mueller's. And they, number two, they can be stopped or they can play off. And number three, I don't even think the president minds it too much. I, I, I don't know that it's good or bad for the country that all this poison is coming out, but that's the left's narrative. They really are gunning to get him out of office. No, that, that, that's right. Look, I don't, I don't know what the right answer here is. I just, I mean, looking, stepping back and looking back from afar, I think we have to understand that we're, we're having a political conversation, uh, and the, the, the press and, and commentators want to mask it in some sort of legal lega- uh, legitimacy uh, of, of a process. And I think what the American people uh, deserve is to know that this is a broader political question, and let's have an open conversation about that. How, how do you get there? Can we get there? You know, I don't know. But I think that we should be looking at things now from a broader political point of view. I mean, pushing out sessions, uh, trying to get rid of Mueller is, is, is a political problem. And would cause a political controversy. Um, it wouldn't necessarily clear the air anymore. Um, I, ra- I raised the question about uh, you know using the pardons and calling their bluff about impeachment, not as in, not because I advocate that, but because it clarifies. One thing about politics uh, is we need more clarity. One of the problems of the, of, our, of modern politics. This is a problem of the modern bureaucratic state and kind of the the elitism of how our politics works is a lack of clarity. And with it, when a lack of clarity is, is dominant, then it's hard to see who's actually governing. It, it, and, and we need to have more clarity so we know what's afoot, what's going on, what is at issue, what is at stake, because there are monumental questions here. And behind that, there are monumental questions which Trump completely agree or not, is trying to get to, and those are the kind of conversations our country needs to be having. But they're not, and, and this is where we should conclude, they're never going to happen 
in the world, the media world in which we inhabit, right? It's, it's virtually impossible to have a conversation of even 38 minutes, which you and I have just had, about the fact there is an underlying controversy here that is political, not legal, but which has been dressed up in legalism. In a replay of 72, 73, 74, in a replay of 96, 97, 98, maybe it's just bound to happen every 20 years in America now that, that political fights are fought out in courtrooms and by prosecutors not at ballot boxes, or they're attempted to be reversed at ballot boxes, but the persona of Trump is so large and his braggadocio, his his volume is so high that it's pretty difficult to get the conversation back to a level about Article 1, Article 2. Well, especially if uh, since his uh, level is so high and so strong that they're going to try to use any means to, to get there. The one thing you didn't mention was using the judiciary to reverse ballot box decisions. Um, I mean, this is part of the modern modern administration of things. This is what our modern politics uh, look like in this type of circumstance. We're, this is the American people, and it's, 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 not, it's, it's not going to the Republican small-R um, uh, institutions to make these kinds of decisions. This should normally be a question about an election. Some tawdry things have happened. We don't like them. They're not illegal. This is up for the American people to decide in the, ele- in the next election. Now, but to no, be clear, though. turn to other ways to get them out of here. If there are illegalities, it is appropriate for the Department of Justice to review Correct. them. I, it's not a problem. Yeah. Jonathan Chait's out there throwing out wild conspiracy theories about criminal tax evasion, stuff like that. Uh, just forget the farther reaches of the left and forget the Trump haters. If there are genuine issues of illegality they ought to be investigated by the department of justice and they will be you can't fire enough attorney generals to stop that we learned that under richard nixon but that isn't really what's going on with jeff sessions and the president yeah i think you referred to it earlier i want to finish there it's about what he perceives as a rudderless attorney general a rudderless doj Uh, no that's right and and i think that as as president he's he sees that it's it's it's, it's an object uh, something in the way of his uh, his larger agenda, of course. But but the problem with the, the rule of law when you don't have an attorney general who's commanding the rule of law system underneath uh, the Department of Justice, and as a result, you have all sorts of things running wild, and we have the rule of men rather than the rule of law. This is a huge problem. Which if that becomes the the norm of the future, we we we're in a very bad situation. Always good to talk to you, Matt Spaulding, director of the Kirby Center, Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale, collected at hillsdale.edu.